Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Hi everyone, it's uh, Pastor Jeff Woodward here from Metro Church, and I want to give you a great big welcome to this session that we call Grow. It's on every month, on the fourth Sunday of every month, and uh, we've just been having such an amazing time here at Metro Church. God is moving by His Spirit in an incredible way, and I believe He will uh, in the days to come as well. Uh, Don't forget that next Sunday, that'll be July the 3rd, of course, it's Welcome Back Sunday. The first Sunday of every month, we are celebrating all the people that are returning. Most of us know somebody that in the last couple of years, I guess, has just lost their way maybe a bit. And we're saying we want to welcome you back home. In the PM on that night, on July the 3rd, it's what we call Faith, Hope and Love. And I know our one earlier this month was so amazing, so profound. The power of God was there in a great way and people were really touched. And I know lots of people are using that as a point of really going just that little bit deeper with God, letting the Holy Spirit do something quite profound and powerful in their life. I do want to say a big thank you again. I never want to let this just become something in the background, but we always want to honour and thank those of you who are putting God first in your finance, those of you that are bringing your tithe or your offering. I know that for almost all of us now, it's done electronically, but please don't ever let that become something that just operates in the background like a some kind of a regular debit. Make sure that every week you honour God in that by bringing your faith to bear on your giving. Uh, I believe that's an important part of it. So can I pray right at the start of this session before I introduce our guest, I really want to pray over your giving. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the great God of the universe. You're, You're the one who can supply every need according to your riches and glory. I pray, Lord, right now for people that are a part of this who are feeling the restriction and the constraint financially around about their life. Maybe the job didn't eventuate or maybe things are just tight in the budget. And yet, Lord, I believe tonight you're going to bring hope into people's hearts. But Lord, I pray that that hope won't just be something in their mind or something in their heart. I pray, Lord, it'll affect their finances. They'll begin a flow happening in their life as they sow into your kingdom. So, Lord, I pray for them. Pray that you'll bless them and give them a great revelation of your goodness and your greatness. Bless them, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, speaking of uh, finances, I guess uh, you couldn't get a a, a better starting point for this session that tonight is uh, about finance. It's such a big topic right around the globe at the moment. And uh, my guest tonight is someone who's absolutely no stranger to us here at Metro. Some of you will remember early this month, our My Story session which featured none other than the mighty Peter Gorman, his beautiful wife, Lynette. And Pete's here with us tonight. Thank you for coming, Peter, to grow. Pleasure. Thanks for having me again. Oh, look, it's our joy. I know that a year or so ago when we did that series on finance with you, the uh, feedback we had from that was so amazing. And, you know, we planned these things out a little bit ahead of time and we weren't aware of all that was going to be taking place right now when I asked you to do these sessions So I'm pretty sure the hand of God is in this to help people in a phenomenal way uh, in the area of their finance. I know that for some people, they think church or preachers or or Christians and money, you know, it was like we don't want to talk about that. And yet Jesus spoke so often about money. 
because it affects people, not just in terms of what they can do or what they can own, but it affects them in terms of their their sense of concern or worry. It affects people in terms of what they're able to do in giving into the things of God and therefore being able to help other people. And so I know that this is a pretty massive kind of a, a subject. Uh, the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, God says, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans to do good for you, to give you a future and a hope. And Peter, that's what the Word of God says. And yet right now around the world, it seems like we're in the midst of quite a deal of turmoil. Wouldn't you agree? Definitely. I mean, we're in a a real confluence of events, negative events, events such as we've got the lockdowns in China. Um, There's the war in Ukraine, which no one saw coming maybe 12 months ago. Uh, we're coming out of the remnants of COVID, uh, rising interest costs, which many of you will be acutely aware of, uh, rising fuel and energy costs, rising inflation. Even KFC burgers, they're substituting cabbage, uh, lettuce for cabbage. Who would have thought? Yeah, wow. And they're probably both a bit meh for me, so on the taste sensation scale, who cares? But anyway, that's just a sign of uh, what's going on in the world. So, I mean, really, what you need to do is control what you can control and leave the rest to God. As you said, in, um, in Jeremiah 29, 11, it says he has plans to give you a hope, plans to give you a future. So what you need to do is to step out in faith, uh, be consistent and faithful with your giving. And that was the big turning point for Lynette and I, is becoming faithful and stepping out in faith with our giving. And no, no matter what happened, that was always the case. So we had to be consistent. Um, and it says in Jeremiah that he'll exceedingly bless and, and, and uh, make your life abundant. Wow. Again, that's what he's done with us. Um, Lynette and I both came from humble beginnings and yet when we obeyed God and we let go, let God, well, most people know what happened and here we are. So, um, yeah. Great. My story, My story. if you want to hear more of that, just go back. It's on the our YouTube channel, Metro Church WA. Uh, but, Peter, talk to me about planning, would you, because uh, we'll come back to the faith in God and the importance of that a little bit later. But... What about for us on a very practical level? What about planning? What are the things you said, control what you can control? What should we all be doing? I think the main thing we need to, you need to do is to have a plan. And as part of a plan, you really should have a budget. Um, you can't control rising fuel prices. You can't control rising power costs or food prices. But what you can do is you can set yourself a budget so you know exactly what income is coming into the household, and where your expenses and money go. And as a mortgage broker, um, part of the exercise we have to do in assessing and analysing um, home loan applications is forensically examine people's uh, living expenses. And they're required to do that on their application form. And yet it's amazing how little people know about where about their finances and where their money goes. They might estimate their um, living expenses are $1,200 per month, and yet they're spending $5,000 a month on their credit card. So... Um, they obviously don't appreciate and know where that goes. So a very good place to start is to, in making a budget, is there's a fantastic government website. There's not many of them around, but this is fantastic. It's called moneysmart.gov.au forward slash budgeting forward slash budget hyphen planner. And I'm sure we can make that available to you. Um, but go, just go to moneysmart.gov.au and then follow the prompts and you'll find budget. It's interactive. Um, it can be tailored to your own needs. Or it can send you alerts. It's got a whole heap of bells and whistles that will greatly assist you in um, setting up your own budget. And the easiest way to start your budget would be to get out your bank statements for the last, say, two or three months 
and also your credit card statements. And straight away there, you've got a blueprint as to where the, all your expenditure is going. Um, next thing is, and I've covered off on this before, I think 18 months ago in our last series of um, um, talks, separate your needs from your wants. So what's a want? A want is a nice to have, but it's not essential. So get rid of things or as many things out of your budget as possible, such as buying your lunch every day, um, getting your nails done, girls, or uh, getting, getting a haircut. I know that's not very um, topical for me, but having said that, I've, I figured out sort of a few years ago that um, the uh, thinner my hair got, the more expensive it came for a haircut. So I lashed out and actually bought myself a, a shaver, an electric shaver, which cost me about $80, and after three haircuts, I was in front. So all good. <laughs> Um, the next thing is use buckets to budget by having separate accounts for different expenses. By saying using buckets to budget, what do I mean? I don't mean race down to Bunnings and buy six buckets and get yourself a hot dog on the way in. I'm talking about having separate accounts, one for each different expense. So you might have one for the kids' education. You might have a bills account. You might have a holiday account. Uh, you might have a... Um, spoil account, but you have them all in different buckets and so you split up your um, your budget and put X amount of dollars in each budget account so that way if you suddenly cop a bill, you don't have to worry about it because you've allocated that and that's in one of your particular buckets and you don't touch that bucket except for the express purpose for which it was set up. So that's another good thing to do. Um, and a need, a need is essential to being able to live. So a need as opposed to a want, a need is something like groceries, rent, power, insurance, those sorts of things. So get rid of as many of your wants as possible and just stick to the needs. Um, if you've got a, um, having, that, having those um, separate um, budget accounts as well, you can actually have those accounts linked to your home loan. So if you've got a home loan, you can actually um, call those bucket accounts an offset account, meaning that any money that's sitting in those separate accounts can save you interest off the home loan and that'll help you to actually get in front of your home loan by reducing that interest cost, and we'll touch on that uh, a little bit later on. Um, other things you can do, you can automate things on everyday bills that come in, so things such as um, power, gas, private health cover, insurance. Arrange to have those debited each fortnight or month or quarter so that in the case of a shire rates or water rates, you don't suddenly end up with a big annual bill for $3,000 and think, oh, far out, how am I going to pay for that? So if you can smooth out your cash flow by having those larger bills debited on a more regular basis, that'll help you to manage your cash flow much um, more easily. Um, having done your annual, annual budget, so let's just say that adds up to $5,200, um, that equates to $100 per week. So if you get paid fortnightly, what you should do is have your employer, and most employee, um, employers will split your, um, your pays into different accounts if you want to, is have that $200 per fortnight allocated and paid straight into your bills account. So there's your pay, your bills money's taken out, okay, that's what I've got to live on, and you would then allocate that in terms of your budget. The first thing, you're actually putting money over here to cover your bills rather than just paying your bills as and when they come, not having any forward planning, big bill comes along and think, oh, now what am I going to do? So have your employer pay that money into that separate bills bucket or that bills account that you've opened up. I love this, you know, if I can just say listening to you, it's so simple and you they're all very easily doable, those things you're saying. How many people that come to you as a finance broker how many people, uh, sorry, mortgage broker, how many people come to you and have all that done? What would you say? Hardly any. I've, I mean, I could count 
I could count on one hand. I think I know sometimes I, I think I'm in trouble here because they bring in their laptop and it's it's a computer geek and he's got Excel, Excel spreadsheets and all these what if scenarios. I think, oh man, I don't need to know necessarily all that. But you know, you can. Uh, we're not taught. We don't get any education in um, in high school on consumer credit and how to budget or any of this sort of thing. Whereas when I was in high school, at least once a week we had a one-hour period of um, consumer credit and how to budget and that sort of yeah. thing. So that was that was a good thing. It was only one hour a, a week, but hey, well, I, it's an I hour more a year these where days. we got absolutely none. Pete, that that's great for the income side, and they're all very uh, doable. And thank you for that. What about the expenditure side? Because it doesn't matter how organised you are with your income. If your expenses are exceeding your income, uh, you're in trouble. Mm. So what can we do about the expenditure side of things? So hold that thought for a tick because, one, I just want to use an example where people don't understand maybe what a budget is and they don't understand how to budget or how to manage their finances. And it, it's as hard as what you just said. You get X amount of dollars in income, and X, you'll have X number of dollars in expenditure or outgoings. So the challenge is to spend less than what you earn, otherwise you're going backwards. And preferably to spend as little as possible over here so you can save more on this side. And so, for example, I had a couple who came to see me. They had a credit card and they just and they were trying to save up for their wedding and they had no idea why they weren't paying off their credit card because they're making payments every month. And I said, well, bring in statements and I'll have a look. I had a look. Oh, yeah, I see what the problem is. I saw it in two seconds flat. I said, oh, fantastic, that's great. And I said, so you've made a, you know, you made a payment of um, $200, so that's fantastic, but you've spent $1,000. So I was thinking, so there's, there's, there's the issue, that's it, problem solved. And they go, so how come we're not paying anything off? Because we pay $200. And I said, yeah, but you spent 1000 So why, how come it's not going down? Because we pay $200. Really? Because you spent 800 more than what you put in. Right. And they still didn't get it. It took about three hours before it finally sunk. Um, but anyway, wow. I digress. So um, so the key is to try to reduce your expenditure because generally your income is going to be fixed. So how do you do that? So first of all, if you're grocery shopping, and I've never tried these, but I did a bit of research in, um, in preparation for this, but you can, there's a variety of apps out there, and a couple of them. There's one called Half Price Grocery Deals, which highlights uh, mainly Coles and Woolworths, um, shows you what specials they've got with this 50% discount on those particular items. And a lot of them are just everyday items. Might be Listerine, might be toothpaste, might be pasta. And you can go there and it'll tell you exactly what items are on um, wow. uh, 50% discount. And there's another great app called Frugal, and it's not spelt how you would think. It's F-R-U-G-L. And it's similar to the other one, but it also shows you the cheapest places to shop. So you might be in Coles and you're buying Listerine. It says, well, why are you buying here, sucker? Go to Woolies 500 metres down the road. They've got it for 30% cheaper than what than the shop you're in. And it tells you how to get there. So they're two great apps, Half Price Grocery Deals and Frugal, F-R-U-G-L. Um, another thing is make a shopping list. Don't just jump in the car and go down, wander up and down the aisles and stick in your trolley what you think you need. When you really get home, you think, oh, far out, I forgot that, forgot that, forgot that. Or worse, PD, get home and you go, we've already got that, we've already got that. Exactly. we've got six of them that we... Exactly. Use. So in doing that, A, you'll spend a heap more than what you actually had to, had you taken a shopping list and stuck to it. And secondly, the more trips you make, the more you spend. So you don't want to do that. I've got a, a friend whose wife sets out the shopping list and woe betide him if he buys a single thing off that shopping list. <laughs> she doesn't order when he gets home. And that's it. So... Um, as I say, try to shop just once a week using your list. The more you shop, the more you'll spend. 
And also, if you haven't tried it, try the click and save because, again, you're more likely to, unlikely to spend items that you, um, you don't need. The other thing, too, is when you go to the shop and you're sitting there waiting in the queue and you're at the... Uh, at the um, uh, you're at the checkout. No oh, chocolate bars, yes, and yeah. and you're reading the no idea about the Kardashians or whatever while you're eating your chocolate bar. So you don't want to be doing that. Um, don't shop hungry. You think, oh, he's really gone leapy now. Don't shop hungry because if you do, you're likely to buy something to eat. You, you either might wander to the bakery that's outside the, the grocery store and then get a donut and a pie and and a chalk milk or something like that, or you wander up and down the chocolate aisle and you'll spend another twenty twenty five dollars just doing oh. that. And if you're making multiple trips, that adds up to very expensive shopping. So you don't want to do that. Um, don't be brand loyal. Um, we all tend to buy, I don't know, um, Wattie's spaghetti or SPC spaghetti or whatever it might be. Go for they're, they're all pretty much generic. Or um, what's a gold brand? Gold brand? Oh, Something like that. Yeah. Black um, and gold, I think. Black and gold. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we tend to be habitual. So look around to see if there is a like-for-like -like product at a cheaper, cheaper cost. Again, I'm a bit of a dental freak or, you know, um, like cleanliness in the mouth, so Listerine, if Listerine doesn't cut it, when Colgate are there, I'll get Colgate. Doesn't yeah, really, well. well, Annette will anyway. I don't really generally go to the shop. But, um, do your shopping on Boxing Day when the biggest sales are on. <laughs> if you can stand the crowds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so if you can stand the crowds, do all your Christmas shopping for the forthcoming year on Boxing Day or whenever else there's another big sale on. So, um, again, you'll save big bucks. Um Fill your car up with petrol on the cheapest day, which is uh, was actually yesterday. I think was the mm, cheapest correct. day. So yeah. in two weeks' time, Tuesday fortnightly, and use shopper dockets if you get them. So again, when you're shopping at the bottom of the tab, say four cents a litre, makes makes a big difference. Yeah. So use shopper dockets and shop on the on the cheaper cheapest day. Um, lots of people, well, everyone should do this, but they don't shop around each year for the best deal on things such as your home and contents insurance, mm. uh, private health cover car insurance, mobile phone, internet provider, gas, power, home loan, credit cards, you'll save mega, mega bucks if you do that. And it's just for the, the cost of a, I don't know, 20-cent 20, 20 phone call, free phone call. I couldn't believe that you told me that a lot of Australians have streaming services that they actually don't use. You just pinched my next point. That's right. That's, I find that staggering. They check, so my next point was... Check that whether you're using your streaming services, and if you're not, cancel them. Do you know how many $400 million a year is spent, stroke wasted by Australians, on streaming service they never use? You're talking about streaming like... Uh, Netflix or yeah, Stan okay. or okay. any one of those. Right. Okay, yeah. yeah. And and so a lot of people... Do, I know some people who that's all they'll use mm -hmm. and that's uh, them avoiding all the just vegging kind of thing. It's got to be a deliberate thing, and I applaud that. Yeah. But I was just amazed that so many people have them and don't use them. Yeah, mm. yeah. No, $400 million worth, which equates to about $291 per annum per household is wasted wow. on streaming services. Wow, wow. Um, if you're a pensioner, make free use of public transport on weekends and weekdays from 9.30 to 3.30 and 7 p.m. to 6 a.m. So if Trevor Todd, best leave the nightclub <laughs> early. Um, what chores do you outsource? Now, from 20 or 30 years ago uh, to now, we outsource everything. Think yeah. of Jim's mowing or Jim's franchise. There's Jim's everything. Yeah. Um, so things like cooking, cleaning, washing, ironing, lawn mowing, gutter cleaning, car washing, pool cleaning, storage. pet washing, storage, bin cleaning, hedge trimming, babysitting, doing your nails, all those things are all outsourced. Which of these are needs and which are wants, people? Get rid of the, uh, the wants and just have the needs. 
So if you've got back problems or something, then fair enough, get someone to clean can the gutters just, for you. Can I just jump in here a bit? Because when I hear you talk like this, I, I know someone's going to say, Pete, you're cutting off the only bit of joy in my whole week is I get my nails done or whatever it might be. But you're not saying live a miserable life. You're saying, hey, if you're in a spot where you want to get out of debt, mm. that's really what we're talking about here. We're not saying don't have any luxuries, don't ever have a moat where you don't spoil yourself or your spouse. We're here saying, hey, if you want to live a life that's free of the burden and the fear and the worry that comes with owing too much, um, deal with these things for a positive result. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I'm not saying you live a Spartan existence and just live inside your four walls and suck your thumb. Um, You know, we're all entitled to um, spoil ourselves and have some little treats. But life's all about choices and the choice between, say, keeping a roof over your head and the bank off your, off your back between getting your nails done or getting a haircut or whatever sure. it might be, um, I'd rather keep the roof over my head. What about things like, um, you know, lots of people do this, buy their lunch every day or things like that. How much on average does that add in to someone's cost? Because, again, you're seeing people come and, and I imagine some of them uh, can ill afford every day purchasing their lunch rather than being ready to take it to work. It's massive. And, again, that's something that most people wouldn't wouldn't think about and they think well, it's just a small treat. But <clears throat> if you buy a coffee every day, for example, around Subiaco, that's 6 or even $7 depending which shop you go to. Call it 5 um, So that's $5 a day. And if you work five days a week, there's $25 a day. Um, and then the first day I started in my office, I went downstairs and bought lunch and a juice and that was $18, so straight away I was nearly up for $25. So if you're a couple and you each buy your lunch and you buy a coffee every day, uh, that's $50 a day, so that's $250 a week. Wow. And that equates to $1,083 per month. How did I get that? 250 times 12 divided by uh, 52. Sorry, times 52 divided by 12. Um, so that's $1,083 a month. And to illustrate how important that is, that covers the monthly payment for a half million dollar. It covers fifty five percent of the monthly payment for a half a million dollar home loan. Fifty five percent just by buying your lunch and having a coffee every day. That's massive. So if you want to if you want to find a way to overcome the latest interest rate rises and you're buying your lunch every day, there's a solution right there, people. Speaking of home loans, Peter, um, obviously. In the last couple of months, everyone in Australia, and I'm aware that this is not, um, grow is not just restricted to people within Australia, but we're talking about where we are. Uh, home loan interest rates that have been historically the lowest for the longest period of time, there started to be upward movement in that. Help us, what, what's your perspective? What's your read on where we're going with this and what should we be doing? So, yeah, if you're a homeowner and you bought anywhere from 2010 up until April this year, you would never, ever have experienced an interest rate rise. So this would come as a, a culture shock to a lot of people. So the Reserve Bank has increased their rate twice, um, 0.1% last month and uh, 0.5% this month. So the official interest rate's gone up from 0.1% to 0.85%. Um, there's strong market speculation that, maybe even next month or perhaps the month after, they might even supersize the rate increase and actually increase it by 0.75% to really try to smash things um, and get inflation under control. Uh, the Reserve Bank said a two uh, interest rate of 2.5%, so the official RBA rate of 2.5%. So 
So um, that'd be, what's that, 1.65% higher than what it is now would not be unreasonable assumption, but the market's pricing in rates to go up to 3.3. So for the average person out there, that means the rates are going to pro- most likely to peak somewhere between 45 to 5.5%. Help us understand this because for a lot of people, it's the headlines of either the newspaper or the, or, or the nightly news or whatever or off their feed on their phone. Um, and there's two different sets of figures that often get used. I'm always amazed how much fear gets associated with all of this, and there may be some people who are part of this growth session tonight who are just in a panic, really worried, am I going to be able to keep my house? Can you give us some perspective on where this is? Um, well, first of all, the average household is actually about 45 months ahead of their, their loans. So that's good news. So it's so the, the headlines tend to show, oh, you know, this is going to afflict everyone, whereas it's not. Um, secondly, um, there's an awful lot of savings built up um, in people's accounts through in their offset accounts, a through government um, largesse handed out during COVID. So lots of government grants given out. Um, interest rates are low, so people, when rates were dropping, people were keeping their payments up at the higher rates, so they were getting in front as well, and building up a buffer of funds, which is great. Um, and the other thing is that. Take comfort in the fact that when your loan was assessed, the bank don't assess your loan application at the actual interest rate you pay, but at a, a serviceability rate 3% above that. So if you applied for a loan today and the rate was 3%, the bank would actually assess it on, based on your ability to service it if the interest rate was 6%. Wow. So they're effectively factoring in about 12 rate rises wow. in there. So there's a big buffer of funds there. So the issue you have with um, uh, with TV headlines and newspaper headlines, obviously they're trying to sell a few papers and get a few viewers in. So the the bigger the headline or the more dramatic it is, um, the more likely you're, you're going to read it or watch. So the issue you have is most times they're quoting um, payments over a 25-year term, whereas most people take out their home loans over 30 years. And secondly, in the main, they're quoting interest-only payments where um, the impact is more profound as opposed to principal and interest. So interest only for those who might be up with all their terms and interest only is where you stop paying off via the uh, principal of the loan, what Correct. you borrowed in other words, and now you're only paying the interest component, which means of course it gives you a bit of a buffer, but if you continue to do that, your debt actually is never decreasing. Yeah, correct. Yeah. And then eventually you have to pay catch-up footy because the bank won't give you interest-only payments forever and a day. So um, like Ring-A-Ring-A-Rose, when the music stops, uh, you've got to start paying principal and interest and you've got to pay catch-up for all those years. You weren't paying back the principal and suddenly your payments will be way up. Here. There's quite a difference, though, between those two for the average home loan. Uh, and maybe if you could give us some figures on that because I think – a lot of people are really unaware of the cost that there is if they chose to go interest only. It's really a last resort thing uh, because if you go to it, the the costs are quite high, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, if you're an owner-occupier, you wouldn't ordinarily go interest only. You might go that because in the first 12 months, um, uh, one of the applicants might be on maternity or paternity leave and they're returning in 12 months, at which point then they'd resume principal and interest payments. Um, so it might be something like that, but otherwise you wouldn't otherwise go for that. So to give an example, on a half million dollar home loan at a rate of 2.5%, the principal and interest payment would be $1,975 per month, whereas interest only would be 1042 So what's that? That's uh, $933 a month difference in the payments. So if, you're, if you go interest only for five years, you've got to make up that 960 payments of $963 a month 
that you haven't been paying off, plus yeah. then you've got to go yeah. up to principal and interest over that residual 25-year term. Yeah. So you don't want to go there. There's so many questions I have on all this, that, and I think so many questions that people will want to ask um, about some of these issues here. But I heard you say to me the other day that you don't just go, even with all your years of experience and with all that you know, and the, this is your career, you work in this field, but you still go and seek professional help from other people in that space. Mm, that's right. I mean, um, I've been in finance for 44 years, but I'm not a tax expert. I know a lot of the tax stuff, particularly in relation to investment, property lending and all that sort of stuff, but I'm not a tax expert. I'm not licensed to give tax advice, so I go and see a professional. I see an accountant. So Annette and I get our business financials, our personal financials and our super fund financials all done by an accountant, and I'm happy to pay for expert advice because then I'm knowing I'm getting the right advice. Similarly, um, we have a financial planner. I'm not an expert on investing, where to invest, how to invest, all that sort of stuff. So I see a financial planner who advises me of that and he manages our self-managed super fund and I'm not an expert in risk insurance or any of that sort of stuff. So income protection or death cover or trauma cover, he's an expert in that. So again, I speak to my financial planner and I don't have to worry. I think that's, that's a great point to make because I think most people would be surprised to hear you say that. I think most people would go, look, I just do it all myself. But here's you, uh, and, uh, an awarded um, person in the area of finance who's saying, actually, I, I'm good at a narrow part of this here. What about things like seeing a mortgage broker? What about going and seeing someone? You've already got a, a mortgage. You've already got your lending in place. But I know that you've been able to help quite a few people uh, in regards to lowering um, you know, what they were doing. Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the, the things you might do to try to lower your interest rate cost would be to jump on the phone to your bank and see if they'll um, cut the interest rate. And if they won't play ball, then maybe see a mortgage broker. But even if they do cut the interest rate, it's a bit like trying to negotiate the best deal on a new car with a car deal or the best um, interest rate on a on a car loan at, at a car yard. And, and you might think I'm getting a good deal, but really you, you probably haven't got any idea. So, for an example, we had one client who rang the bank and at least that they had the foresight to ring me. I would, Peter, we just rang the bank and they gave us this um, much of an interest rate cut, so that's pretty good, isn't it? And I said, just hold that thought, I'll ring you back in five minutes. Oh, okay. So I rang the bank and negotiated because I know what I can get them down to was the client didn't. He just thought, oh, that's good, they would yeah. drop the rate. And we got him about another 0.3 or 0.4% off the interest rate, the interest rate he'd negotiated, which saved him, I think it was about $12,000 a year in interest. This is, uh, maybe uh, would require too long an answer, but let's at least try it. How does someone choose a good financial advisor in any one of those areas? How do you know that you can rely on someone like that? Uh, well, you can go to the – you could, I mean, a lot of it's word of mouth where someone's dealt with a, a great mortgage broker or a great financial planner or whatever, and maybe that. But you can also go to the industry, you know, industry websites. There's right. um, also – um, with mortgage brokers and like real estate agents and that, you can get you know, online reviews as to um, um, to see how good they are and getting a real life experience. But more probably more the professional bodies which would um, uh, set out their bona fides and that. There's also some of those things that where, for instance, I think a mortgage broker doesn't charge fees to the customer. Is that correct? Correct. So a mortgage broker doesn't charge you a fee. How the mortgage broker gets paid is that the bank pays them a fee or a commission for doing all the hack work and running around on your behalf and the bank's behalf. So they're a way of like outsourcing a bank manager, if you like. And so um, so the mortgage broker uh, is, A, or at the very 
very important point to make is a mortgage broker must look after your best interests. And you think, well, duh, of course they must. But a bank doesn't have to do that. And that's, wow. that's enshrined in legislation that a mortgage broker must look after your best interests. A bank, bank doesn't have to. And the bank doesn't have to because effectively they can't. So what do I mean by that? That means you might go to your bank and they, they've got a mutton product that they try to dress up as lamb, knowing full well that the bank across the road has got a much better product. They're not obliged to tell you. Whereas if, if you came to a mortgage broker, we're obliged to tell you, well, your bank's offering that product, but I can get you this, this and that product that they cross, that bank across the road for a much better interest rate. And so we, and we have to, and if we don't send you to that bank because, no, I want to stick with my bank and pay an extra percent in interest, well, we, we've got to justify that and explain why that is. And in some cases we say, if you want to stay with your bank, you actually need to go and see them because I might lose my licence if I wow. leave you with your bank. So. I guess the, the lesson here for everyone is to really do some of the hard work and the thinking about your finances. M- most of us, as you mentioned earlier, we've grown up in spaces where it wasn't a part of our professional life and we didn't learn it at school and for most people they didn't really learn it at home. Mm. Uh, and so all of a sudden now we're dealing in much larger sums. The average mortgage is now uh, in West Australia is... 400 plus, isn't it? Yeah, and across the country in April was $624,000. So it's really gone way up. And so with all of that, getting professional advice is actually a really, really good thing. There's a couple of other things that you told me about as well, things like paying this one I think is so sensible and so doable, paying your mortgage repayments on a fortnightly basis instead of monthly. Uh is that right? Yeah, no, no, paying half of your monthly payment oh, sorry, fortnightly. Yes. yes sorry. Yeah. So if your payment's uh, $1,000 per month, make it $500 per fortnight, whereas a true fortnightly payment might only be 460 where the bank, if your payment's $1,000 per month, the bank would multiply that by 12, so that's 12,000, then um, divide that by 26. So, the, right. so effectively, but if you make half of your monthly payment each fortnight, you make one extra, it's the equivalent of one extra monthly payment per year and that'll knock about four or five years off the term of your loan and save you tens of thousands of dollars. And it's that easy. Simple. To, yeah, that's just... Simple. That is amazing. What about things like windfall, things that do happen, someone inherits, uh, you know, gets a, a legacy of some kind or other or maybe it's a tax benefit. You know, most of us, we go, oh, free money. Mm. Let's go splurge. What's your advice? My advice is any bonus income you get um, or windfall payments you get, pay it into your home loan. So that includes things like um, a bonus from your employer. Um, If I get, if I um, uh, pay for my doctor's bill or um, specialist bill or something like that, and then a few days later I get a refund from Medibank Private or from um, HBF or whatever, I transfer that into my home loan. Um, if I get a pay rise, if I gave myself a pay rise, and um, let's just say that was $20 a week, I would increase my home loan payments by $20 a week. And we're coming into tax time. So in a month's time, you'll all be doing your tax returns. Most of you will get tax refunds. That's a windfall payment. Put that straight into your home loan. And again, in so doing, A, you're saving lots of interest off your home loan. But more importantly, in the current environment, you're building up a buffer of funds to help um, you to cover increased payments as and when interest rates rise. I know that in some of our previous sessions, and maybe uh, if someone wants to search through our uh, Metro Church WA YouTube channel, they'll find the previous sessions with you because uh, I know we covered credit cards in a great deal of uh, of detail in those sessions. But 
One of the things before we go to Pete's seven golden rules of finance, can I ask you about something that's not about an accounting kind of a, a detail? It's really about you are not only someone who's highly proficient and experienced in the area of finance, 44 years was it you said and all that, uh, but you're also a man of faith and you're a man who's learned how to believe God and I wondered if you could give everyone a little bit of advice or input. How do you keep fear out of that space? Because I meet people all the time who are worried about their job, their business, uh, you know, their super, will I have all this, you know, am I going to be able to survive through that, et cetera. Um, how do you deal with those kind of things? This is not... This is not the accounting uh, side of stuff. It's the spiritual, if you like, side of it. But it's spiritual life is real life. Mm. Got any advice? Um, Question without notice here. <laughs> uh, I know you I, said in my story you and Lynette pray every day. How much of that feeds into setting yourself up for confidence that God's going to look after you? Well, I think that sets our day up really because we sort of – I remember reading uh, one day it was a – Kenneth Copeland, one in my early Christian days, and he was putting on a suit. He's gone, suit, everywhere you go, God goes with you. And so I sort of just use that. So wherever I go, I'm not wearing a suit, but wherever I go, God's with me. He's, he's there watching over my shoulder. I don't need, as God says, well, don't tell the, uh, me about the problems. Tell the problem about me. I've got it all sussed, you know. Don't you think I know what's going on? Oh, okay, fair enough. Um, so I just let go, let God, and... and I think in my story we also emphasise the fact that as soon as we stepped out in faith and stepping out in faith, I think, and I know I harp on this, but I'm just telling you from real-life experience, as soon as we started stepping out in faith with our giving and that was a non-negotiable, that's where everything changed around for us. That's such a big part of it, isn't it, Pete? A lot of people dip their toe into the water and their giving becomes what I call random acts of kindness mm. towards God. Mm. You know, it's kind of like, you know, okay, I feel generous today. I'll give God some. Yeah, that's right. There you go. But that's not what you're talking about. You're talking about a solid commitment to say, no, God, I'm going to set aside the first part of my income, not whatever's left over. Correct. I'm setting aside the first part and I'm going to honour you no matter what happens. Have you had to do that through times that were difficult though? Yeah, in my in my early days, I mean, um, and I think we covered off, and this is my story, so I was working for um, a different a broking company, and then I didn't like the way things were tracking there, so I decided I was going to go out on my own. Um, and I remember I actually, I actually rang you up to say, well, this is what I'm thinking, and your words were, and you probably don't remember this, but your words were, Peter, I don't think it matters what you do. Whatever you do, God's going to bless you. So I just, okay, I'm, that's it, I'm doing it. And it probably took me about 18 months to get um, lift off and to build up momentum wow. um, to the extent where I was sort of you know, down to my last few beans, really, thinking, wow. oh, man, um, if it doesn't turn around soon, I might have to shut the doors. But then I reached that inflection point and never looked back since then. So I think with your giving, as we covered off before in my story, A, it's got to be significant, but also it's got to be consistent. And I've talked before, I think, in Mingle Time once about Lotto Christians. God, as soon as we win the Lotto, I'll be there. But guess what? You won't be. A, because 10% of a million dollars is $100,000 and you might want to give $100,000. But B, you haven't been consistent with your giving. So why are you suddenly going to change now and give $100,000? So and this is going to shoot a few people between the eyes, but um, God never takes a holiday, so why should you with your giving? So that means 
just because you're not in the building doesn't mean you don't tithe. <laughs> just because you go on holidays mean doesn't mean your tithes take a holiday. You set it up in your internet banking once and for all, irrespective on holidays, irrespective of whether you're in the building, that money gets taken out of your account, your pay goes in, tithe comes out, happy days. And your life will really, really change for the better. Let me finish this session before I get you to pray with people uh, who may be going through times of, of real restriction in the area of their finance. And, and you know, it's very easy to uh, be simple about it, but a lot of these things are simple. Um, but, but these are what I think. This is, this is my take, Peter, on listening to you over quite a number of years now. It seems to me that you've got seven golden rules. Number one is put God first. You've said that already several times today. Put God first. Secondly is to save. I think that always comes through loud and clear. Find whatever way, even if it's only a small thing, save. Thirdly is build margins in to your life um, so that if a, a bill suddenly comes, you're not scrambling, uh, you're not living from moment to moment, in other words. Fourthly is to get good professional advice for your life Fifthly is limit credit card use. Mm -hmm. Don't let that thing become the, well, it's easy and it's just the thing you pull out so quickly. Number six is to keep fear out of the whole financial decision-making process. And then number seven, I've heard you talk about this one and you're probably the only person I ever hear talk about this is be shopping wise. Mm. Be sensible in your purchases uh, and you'll end up building up uh, a better buffer in your world. Does that sound about right, all those? That sounds about right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, life's full of choices and some of them are harder than what we'd like them to be, but I think we've given a fair bit of scope there for ways in which people can cope with increasing yeah, um, interest rates and the uncertain environment. Right. Um, and in some of them might feel like it's a big ki um, kick in the cash flow tummy and, oh, yeah, I'm not getting my nails, I'm not getting my hair cut or whatever it might be. But after a while we think, actually, this is this is good, I'm I've got some money in the bank. I feel much better about myself and I feel much more comfortable about my circumstances and where I'm at and then you'll... Financial uh, freedom is what it's about. We're not moving mm. away from luxury. We're moving towards financial freedom. Correct. That's the thing. How about if you pray and then I want to talk to people about making Jesus the centre of their life because I always think that everything in life will ultimately come down to who's in charge. If it's me, then I've really got my own wisdom and we've all seen in the last couple of years how many prognostications and how many predictions have just not happened, uh, how uncertain people's knowledge of the future is. And I, so I'd love you to pray that people will be able to find uh, a, a God at work in this area of their life. Would you do that? Mm -hmm. Thanks. Thank you, Lord. Father, we um, pray that this evening's session will, um, will rub off on people and impart knowledge on people, um, knowledge where, oh, sorry, um, people who may have little or no knowledge, um, or those who might have a great amount of knowledge, but whoever they, in what position they're in, Father, that they would have picked up some little tidbit that will help them to achieve financial independence, um, help them to ease any any strains or burden, financial burdens on their lives and give them a sense of peace. So we thank you for that, Father. We thank you that um, people will listen to you. And in uh, as in Malachi, where you said, come on, bring, bring forth all the grains in the storehouse and I'll bless your socks off. Just... I dare you, I double dare you, I triple dare you. Try me and just see that it is true. And so in the case of Lynette and I, we have seen that it is true, Father. Your word is truth. Your word never changes. And we thank you for that, Father. So we pray that we see um, lots of uh, finances invested into um, 
fertile soil tonight and we'll see many green shoots arise out of that. And we thank you, Lord, that in the months to come we'll hear so many great stories and stories of praise um, in the prayer reports. And we thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Peter. And thank you. for. I know there's a lot of work goes into all this. Uh, it just doesn't run glibly off the tongue and I appreciate all the investment of that. Uh, as I said a little bit earlier, I cannot think of anything more important but that the very centre of your life. Uh, you know, in in the uh, ships of yesterday, and I think probably in still today in some of the sailing ships, you know, the most important thing is that weight that's in the centre, the ballast or the in the sense of the keel, having that counterweight in there. And I always think that having Christ in your life is just exactly that. It's the thing that centres you through some of the storms of life. More even than that, though, is the fact that Christ died for you and for me and for our eternity. And so it's not just about here and now and having a good life. It's about saying, God, I recognise that you've got a plan for my life. You want to change me. You want to make me more like the uh, your son, like the plan you have for me. And so I want to encourage you, if you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, maybe you have not even known how to, maybe you've grown up in church and they never talked about it, or maybe like a lot of people, you know, church was just something that other people did, and now you find yourself in the place you're going, I'm wondering and I'm wishing and I'm hoping that God is there and I wish God could be close to my life. Well, I want you to know that that's the very reason that Christ came and that he died, that he hung on the cross and that he rose from the dead was not to start a religion, but it was so that you and I could have a relationship with God. We are called the family of God. The Bible talks about us being sons and daughters of God. And so you can't get any closer than that. That's the kind of relationship God wants to have with you. And I would encourage you, I would urge you to say yes to Christ. It's so easy to say yes. It starts in the heart. Uh, We invite you to text yes, Y-E-S, to the number that's there on your screen, uh, 0488-826-392. If you're outside of Australia or you'd rather get our help, and it's completely free, If you'd rather get that via email, then just go to yes.metrochurch.org.au. And then once you send us your yes, uh, we'll never spam you, we'll never write and ask you for money or for any other such thing. What we want to do is to be able to help you to grow in Christ, to become the kind of person that God wants you to be. And so we'll send you every day after that, either via email or to your that number you've given us, We'll send you a a Bible verse and a prayer. They're different every day. And that goes for 30 days. Of course, you can opt out whenever you want, but it'll be our joy to encourage you. I thank God, Peter, that there were people there for me when I began my walk with Christ. Mm -hmm. If there'd been yes text back then, and if they'd been smartphones, (laughs) I definitely would have done it for sure. Uh, I think it's such a matter of fact, when we first started this, I was one of the first people to sign up to yes text. And even though I've been a Christian a long time, I found it so encouraging every morning getting that Bible verse and that prayer was like, oh, yeah, that's great. So you can do that with complete confidence and it'd be a joy. By the way, don't forget, you're always welcome here at Metro Church. And we'd love to see you right here at Beaufort Street, corner of Beaufort and Aberdeen Streets right here in Perth. God bless you. Don't forget to join us next week. Uh, Pete will be back, but with a panel of young adults with all of their really tricky questions. It's going to be fantastic. Hey, it's been great being with you. God bless you. We'll see you somewhere.